DJ and PK, we are brought to you in part by Miki Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our Zone listeners. Helping you get a ride on Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. All right, the question of the day. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are out for the Kings game. What chance do the Jazz have of ending the losing streak? Now, Kings are going to be missing some of their guys, too. They're down a couple of their best players, so it's kind of offset in that regard. What are the odds? Clint says, unfortunately, the Jazz will lose. Why? He doesn't say why. Clint's just down. He's got an avatar. He's kind of glaring at the camera. I don't know. I don't think I want to ask Clint any questions. Well, I'm going to go Nancy Kerrigan here. Why? <laughs> Sean says, uh, uh, and this goes to our earlier discussion um, about whether, you know, I was saying that the reason that, that the uh, the Clints of the world are so far down on the Jazz is because they were so far up on them. And they have ignored the don't get, get too high, get too low. Uh, they were thinking championship, and nothing got you like losing to Team 29 uh, twice in three days. And you were saying, are there really that many people in on the championship? I mean, certainly some of the fan base was. And Sean says, I think the Jazz can win the NBA championship, which is why I was upset when Shaq said what he sh- said. However, I never thought it was a guarantee. Oh, well, of course not. Right. I never thought they were the favorite. They have a shot. They're a legit contender. They've got a shot. and Okay, but you I, don't think they're going to do it, though. I still think they have a shot. I don't – you know, the, here's the funny thing. This is a weird NBA season. I think most years it's two or three teams, and one of them has a 50% or better sh- chance to win. Right now, I would say of every team, you don't, you don't have a 50% chance to win. That, oh, that goes for oh. the, the Nets, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Oh, I disagree 100%. Who do you think does? The Lakers? You just named them. Well, three teams can't have a better than 50% chance, PK. Oh, sure they can. You be, I'm talking about getting to the finals. I'm talking about winning the championship. Well, all right, but I don't, that's not what I talk about. I talk about getting to the finals. Okay, well, then we can rule out the East, and that changes the odds. No, I think, I think the – no, it doesn't. The – Nets have a better than 50% chance I'll, to I'll get agree. to the I East. I agree with that. I agree and, with that. And the Clippers and, and Lakers, they could each have a 50%, and our numbers meet what they're supposed to meet. So then there's a 0% chance that anybody else out of the West, Jazz, Suns, Nuggets, they all have a 0% chance of getting to the NBA Finals? I don't think they have a 0%. I'm, I'm making a point here. Their overwhelming favorites are the teams that we thought they were going to be the overwhelming favorites when this season started a month later than normal. And I don't think anything has really changed my mind. Does that mean that the Suns and the Jazz don't have a chance? No, they have a chance. But even with saying they have a chance, I don't think very many people are picking them. No, I don't think they are either. So it goes back, I mean, 50%, 48%. What the hell's the difference there? I mean, whatever. You're just you're, you're picking numbers. The point is that those teams are still the heavy favorites. David Locke, Mr. Basketball himself, has got the Clippers. So how's that change? These are the teams that we expect to get there. 
And the that, Nets, if they don't get there this year, that only makes me more convinced that they're going to get there next year. Because <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of the rhythm and playing together and all that stuff. And they, they bet other guys have just been in and out of the lineup the whole time. So that's why I don't talk about actually winning the whole thing. Because so many things can happen. The, 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 the playoffs in the NBA are so long that you could be looking great in the first round, and by the fourth round, you got all sorts of injuries that will eliminate you from potentially winning it all. We've seen that multiple yeah. times with multiple teams in the last five or six years, and you can find it even more time if you go back further. But you don't need to go back further. Right, just so I just look years. at the two teams that are going to get there, and then I'll make my pick based on what's available from the two teams that are going to get there. That's the way I look at it. Rather than picking a team to win it all, unless it was the Warriors, you know, there's just, there's, there's some some exceptions. But generally yeah. speaking, I go east, west. Right. But with since in the super team era, especially in the super team era, although before it too, it was easy to look at LeBron's heat and say, they're going to do it. Now, it they was, did it twice, it and, it and they got beat twice. Yes. So they ended up splitting in their four chances. And with the Warriors, you know, we looked at them five years in a row. Now, the two years they didn't win it, they weren't healthy. One right. year they were a little dinged up. The other year they were decimated. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's why I don't get caught up in who's going to win the title in terms of prediction. I look for the two teams that I believe will get there. Well, at the and start we still of the year, the same three teams. At the start of the year, when I was saying, "Man, the Jazz just have an extraordinary amount of shooting. They have so many shooters." And you're like, two in the West." And I couldn't quite guarantee you that because I still had Lakers, Clippers, one, two. And I like them two in the West. And I think they do have a chance. I'm not saying they don't. If they play at a high, high level for 16 games and shots go in and they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing and they're not double uh, forgetting to switch on a back-to-the-basket layup type deal. We don't know where I'm getting at. If they do what they're supposed to, which they are capable of doing, I do give them a chance. But I'm not picking them. All right, we got more reaction uh, coming in here. Uh, what chance do you give the Jazz tonight? Darishnikov, I can't even say that. Darishnikov, yeah, right. Or was said, he a ballet dancer? Says none. You mean Mikhail Prokhorov? I think he was talking Barishnikov. because <laughs> he's all about he's all about the elite dancers. Uh, <laughs> Darishnikov says none. No chance for the Jazz to win tonight. So you're a Laker fan, or no, you're just trolling no, no, no. people? I mean, what are you doing? You're Come trolling on. at that point. No, that's ridiculous. If the if the if the Kings had all their guys, I would think otherwise. But they're missing Fox, and Fox is I would double check the stats. He averaged like 25 a game. Yes, he another is by, Kentucky kid. He's by far and away the yeah. best player. I mean, I've said that for a million years. Calipari knows how to get guys to the NBA. Uh, that's for sure. He's a great talent evaluator for college to the NBA. Is another kid, De'Aaron Fox. Now, he was only there for a cup of coffee in college, as they mostly they are, so you never really get to watch them and develop them, and then that's that college basketball has its own issues for sure. Uh, but Fox is a very good scorer, and he's not going to play. He's got protocol things that are requiring him to sit out, and Barnes is out of the lineup. So Those are two I, of their top three scorers right there. 
Yeah, you're I looking could. for who scores 15 points a yeah. game or more. Fox is at 25. Barnes is at 16. Buddy Heald is at 16.7, almost 17 points a game. And I just like saying Buddy Heald. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> buddy. Bye, buddy. <laughs> Hope Remember you when find he was leaving? He was going to find his father. Bye, buddy. And they were all sad. <laughs> Bye, yeah, Mr. Was, Narwhal. I know. That was a tough, tough moment. I felt their pain. Losing family members. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, but uh, but he healed. So I, I would sort of take that trade. If I got to have Mitchell and Conley not playing, I'm definitely choosing Barnes and Fox to not play on the other side. Aren't you? Isn't everybody? Yes, I think everybody would be. Yeah. So... I'll take that trade, and then I'll just go with the guys that I have left. I I like the Jazz guys, and maybe it's because I have a bias because I see them. I don't watch Sacramento at all. You know, see highlights here and there when they play the Jazz. When they play that's, the Jazz, that that's pretty, that's when you watch. Pretty the Kings. much it, yeah, yeah, to an extent of beyond any highlights. There, there's uh, a there's a pyramid of what we watch. When we watch the Jazz one. We watch other Western contenders too. And then we watch the mega primetime games. You know, if they any any big game that's on TNT on a Thursday, ABC on a Saturday I, night. I refuse Sunday. to watch the Pelicans. <laughs> You've banned them. We have been force fed. You want to see Willie Zion Williamson? Eh, not after like the twentieth time. I don't. Right. If their team was really good, absolutely. But anything that's force fed, it's like a lecture. Nobody wants to be lectured. Nobody wants to be force fed. You will do this. I don't want to watch I, eleven in the West. I mean, we're just naturally, at least I am, inclined to say, "Well, forget that. I don't want to do that." Even if it's the right thing to do, if you're forcing me to do it, I'm probably going to say, "I don't want to do that." Uh, so, you know, I know I got sick of those guys, and I'm tired of Van Gundy lecturing me about social issues. Give me some solutions instead of just criticizing the problems all the time. And so I'm, I'm sick of that. And so I, I turn those guys off. And then, and then you see the highlights anyway. But I don't watch the Kings a bunch. So I think that the Jazz, they win this ball game based on the available players. And I believe in the Jazz available players a lot more. I think people are looking at it, oh, man, they're sucking and they don't have Mitchell and Conley. But that's all you're looking at. You're not looking at the entirety of the story. And hopefully this thing for Conley isn't some lingering thing because that makes me a little concerned, you know, because you need that player. He's a veteran dude, knows what he's doing, doesn't get rattled. I enjoy listening to him talk when they make him available because he seems to have great perspective on a lot of different things, and he's never really too high or too low. And he reminds me of what Joe Johnson brought to the Jazz. I used to, I liked Joe Johnson when he played. Now, he was at the end of the line, but when he spoke, I can remember when uh, Hayward was gone, and, and we go over there, and first media availability with Joe Johnson after practice. They're asking him about Hayward, and he finally says, you know, I'm concerned about the Jazz. I'm not concerned about players who are not here. And I thought, Absolutely. Who gives a crap about Hayward? He's gone now. You know, you know, the team is what you have here. That's what you should be talking about. I remember him saying that over at the practice facility when he was up against the wall and we were all forming the half circle. And I always appreciated Joe Johnson and the wisdom that he brought to the team. And I think Conley has that same thing. And he probably has more of an influence because he's a younger player, so he's able to give more on the court. And I very much hope that this hamstring thing isn't a lingering and it's just a load management thing. 
Yeah, to me, there's kind of a gray area there. It is lingering. It is a load management thing, and it will. I just think it'll be a thing for the rest of his career. I just think he's at a point now where don't expect him to play three games in four nights. Protect okay, him in the back to back postseason. Right, exactly. So I'm and okay so with it. That's a plus, right? Yeah, big time. Actually, it was a little bit of a red flag when I when I heard he was out tonight. It's like it's not back to back. It's um, right. I agree. So maybe there's a little more to it, or maybe they're just being being real careful. That's what you I'm know? saying. I hope there it's isn't like a little more they, to it. They just maybe they're just like we really don't. I mean, Quinn has said it so many times. There's, <laughs> and I get that sometimes it sounds like a convenient dodge. But it's what you always said about Majerus and the conference tournament. Rick would complain about it after he won the thing, so he had the maximum amount of credibility. Like, we won it. I'm not whining. We won it. I hate the conference tournament. We shouldn't be doing it. It sucks. You know? And I think that Quinn has said so many times, and he said it after wins. Now, he did say it after a loss also. Um, But it just, you you know, we have to keep getting better. Eliminating mistakes, and we have to be playing our best ball when we get to the playoffs. He's already equated this to, you know, the high school or college class. You know, the playoffs are the final exam. And it's, uh, it's what you always said about the Arizona Wildcats winning their, their NCAA championship. They didn't win it in a year they won the Pac-12. They've won the Pac-12, but the year they won it, they were fifth. Well, who cared about the quizzes? The regular season is the quizzes. If you ace the final exam, that's all people are going to remember. And I believe if they ace the playoffs, they've got a shot. If they play to the best of their ability, I believe they've got a shot to win it all. Plenty of basketball to watch tonight. Lakers and Wizards, and the Wizards do have a unique way of raising their game for uh, whatever they perceive to be a high-profile game. Uh, The Wizards, we have seen them do well against the Jazz and the Nets and other elite teams. The Clippers, uh, they're playing the Lakers tonight on ESPN at 5.30. So you got that before the Jazz game. And then if you want to channel surf during commercial breaks, Clippers and Suns on ESPN. The Clippers are two games behind the Jazz. The Suns are one game behind the Jazz. They're playing. They tip off the exact same time, and they're on ESPN while the Jazz and the Kings are on AT&T Sportsnet. So. Time to break out the computer. Yeah, side by side. Let's get the screens going. I was asking Yach this. What, what happened to picture in picture with HD? The technology not compatible? I find that hard to believe. Did HD did the picture in picture not sell well enough after the initial I, I had a picture in picture TV, my last TV before we went HD, and it was awesome. Just hit an exchange during the commercial breaks. I have been told that there are picture in picture options. You have to have the right providers and also the right setup to do it apparently but apparently it's still a thing but not as prevalent as it once was. well it needs to be because for sports fans it was awesome i agree with you it was spectacular all right when we come back everything you missed in this show we'll get you up to speed stay with us the big show big show with jake scott and gordon monson Mark Eaton is with us. Overall this year, Mark, how have you felt about this Jazz team and the way Coach Snyder has them playing? It's been fun to watch. What a run it's been. They've had a little bit of a challenger with injuries, et cetera, the last week or two. But in general, they've really come together as a team. I think that the trust level and, and the rapport between the teammates out of the floor, it's been fun to just see them kind of come together. And I think they'll get through this rough spot. I'm actually kind of glad they're having this rough spot now rather than 10 games from now because it gives them a chance to kind of go through that low, which every 
every team does and kind of rebuild and regroup and build some momentum going into the playoffs. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Would it surprise you if you're the 49ers pick? I'll say it's half and half. It was surprising, but it maybe it was definitely surprising because, you know, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of great quarterbacks in that draft. And I think the first four picks will be quarterbacks. That's Kyle Pitts, the Florida Gators tight end, excellent receiver, run on quarterbacks at the start. We had Luke Easterling, editor of the Draft Wire and the Bucks Wire for USA Today Sports Media Group on. And he said Kyle Pitts is generational talent and gave us a bunch of stats about his his wingspan, the catch radius, his speed, his strength, all that kind of stuff. Called him a unicorn, compared him to Megatron. Acknowledged that's unfair for a guy who hasn't even drafted yet to compare him to a Hall of Famer. But pointed out quarterbacks are going first because for all of Megatron's greatness in Detroit, what did they do in the postseason? How often did they get there? And what did they do when they did get there? Because you got to have an elite quarterback. So it's going to be a run on quarterbacks. And PK, uh, Luke Easterling, when he came on, uh, real mixed reviews on Zach Wilson. Admitted the highlight tape was awesome, but the low light tape, what did that lead to? Wonder if he could ever get drafted. Why would he get drafted? Yeah. I, 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 the thing that uh, I'm just glad the draft is going to be here so you stop talking about Pitts. I just wish that Florida wouldn't have played the 10 a.m. games on Saturday morning so you didn't get to see him play as much as you did. I wish they would have kicked off at like 5 o'clock then you, you wouldn't know as much about him, but you studied him big time because they played every game at 10, and you were sitting home watching it, weren't you? Admit it. Admit it. Absolutely admit it. Yes, the answer is yes. Well, there were a couple of them, yeah, but it was more <laughs> – it's also a lot of highlights because they didn't play every game at 10 a.m. Yes, they did. So. They played every game at 10 a.m. Okay, Go whatever. back and look. In, in, the, in the coronavirus well, year, they did. Absolutely I, I didn't. Did. I didn't watch all of their games. You I'm watched not every hardcore. single one of them. Yes, I you really were. Did. I really you, didn't, but I – You loved I am, Dan Mullen when he was here, and you love Dan Mullen now. I am I am all in on Kyle Pitts. I thought he I was didn't notice that. spectacular. Ah. Did you and notice you were, that, Yuck? You were really I mean it's nope. fun it's fun to mock me, but you were really disappointed when Luke Easterling proved to be more all in on him than I was. I know, but we just don't need to ask every single guest about it. We got it. Hey, did you think Babe Ruth was a good player? Yeah, I did. We got it. I understand. He's a great player. And he's gonna make some team very very good, much better at the tight end position, no doubt. Or what did he call him? What did you say? Unicorn? Yeah, That's unicorn. He, that was his line. Yeah, he said yeah. he's a unicorn. Well, tight ends need to be able to do that these days. They need to be able to get downfield, uh, obviously. And they can be massive weapons. We only need to look at the good teams. And the good teams, they usually have a good tight end. That's what's interesting about Zach Wilson is that, you know, it was a significant blow. We thought when Bushman went down. Now, yeah, obviously, right? to the young man. It was a major blow. I don't discount that whatsoever. Wish him nothing but the best. Remember, he played on that crappy team a few years back, and it was obvious. You could see, all right, this guy has talent. I mean, everybody could see that. We watched him play back when they really sucked, and he was a good interview because you were looking for some guys who did something, and he was like the only guy really offensively who did something that year, and now he has an opportunity and wish him nothing but the best. But the point I'm making Zach Wilson was really good, and he had a really good tight end in Rex. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you can pretty much pair up for BYU when they've been really good. How good was the tight end? Well, the tight end probably, and in a lot of cases it's tight ends, plural. In a lot of cases, when they've been really good, the tight end 
is an NFL dude, too. It's an interesting correlation there. So you've got not just a good quarterback or a good tight end. You've got them both in BYU's history, right? We should go back. It's not really a topic for now, but in, in the summer uh, after the Jazz get after the parade and see the correlation between the two is really, uh, what would you say, remarkable or consistent? I don't know what the word would be, but that's, I think, it, at least to me anyway, interesting that great quarterback, great tight end. Now, I disagree completely with Zach Wilson, but I've been a Zach Wilson homer since he was in high school, and I've said that, and I've relied on people who tell me and just know way more about it. They do it for a living. And so then they tell me stuff, and I've been told about Zach since he was uh, in high school, literally. So I would disagree with uh, your guy that we just had on, Luke, that I wouldn't say, well, how is he going to get drafted? Because if you notice, John Beck, we had John Beck on last week, and John said his sophomore year, John saw it. Now, he was inconsistent that year. He had the thumb injury, and did, you know, he just didn't play all that well. Uh, Hawaii game with the three turnovers and blah, blah, blah. But John, who has a keen eye for it, he said as a sophomore, he knew that Zach had NFL potential. Well, the low light tape is an interesting thought, but I think you got to be real careful with it because as players get better, those are the plays that they eliminate. Now, maybe you think he just can't eliminate them, but if you did a low light tape for the best receivers, would you have a bunch of drops? You know, if you did a low light tape for whatever defender, you know, how many times is there a missed tackle or blown assignment? I mean, people make mistakes. So if you want to find their 15 worst plays and make them look bad, you can do that with and anybody. When were they, they? The, yeah, right. Well, and, and Twitter, just watching stuff during the show today, somebody tweeted out something about the New York football giants and Mark Bavaro, and he carried Ronnie Lott for 15 years and no, or 15 yards, what? and no Giants oh. fan will forget that. I'm like, okay, we'll put that on Ronnie Lott's low light tape, but. But he's Ronnie bleeping lot. I mean, let's not make fun was of him. Was he playing for the Jets or was he playing for the Niners? He was with the Niners, I think. I think oh, that was yeah, in Ronnie a Lott's playoff the best safety game. I've ever seen in right. my life. Right, yeah. So his low light tape has him getting carried for 15 yards, piggyback style, uh, by an NFL tight end making a great play. And how do we know Ronnie wasn't nursing some injuries at that point and whatnot? Yeah, Ronnie Lott, wow. I mean, he's, did, he's the man. Yeah, he really is. He really is the man. He's to tight, uh, safeties to what Jerry Rice is to, to receivers as far as I'm concerned. Now, I'm obviously biased because I saw him play in college all the time and obviously saw him play in the NFL with those great, great 49er teams. But, yeah, you're right. So uh, you can't really get caught up on that. I can remember we had uh, so one of the guys that was uh, – he split the uh, time with Kyle Goon on the Ute beat, and he's long since gone. And he went over to news with the watchdog, and then he took off some other place. And I could see his face, but I can't remember his name. And he was talking about, uh, we asked him about Joe Williams. Uh, and he said, well, look at his highlights. And he says, yeah, but every time I watch highlights of everybody, they're running for touchdowns. <laughs> and that, that's what they are. That's what the, the point of those things are, is their highlights. And so, yeah, they've all got them. If you're, if you're getting a scholarship in college, from high school, you got them, and if you're being considered to be drafted from the for the, the college in the NFL, you got them. So that's not what it's about: highlights, lowlights. It's about the ability to play at this level. And the Jets and a lot of other folks believe that Zach Wilson has that. And we can get in that tomorrow. I posted that 
question on Facebook before the Jazz had the injuries, and tomorrow's the draft, you know, what will he do in the NFL? And even if he didn't go second, whoop de do. So you go third, fourth, or fifth? Who really cares as far as that goes, you know, as far as what, second? Okay. If you go to a better team, a, yeah. Possibly. You don't know that. No. Uh, no, but I think this year the scenario everyone's looking, and I don't know if the Patriots will trade up or not, but if they trade up to from 15 to 7 and get the last quarterback, because the whole five guys in nine picks thing, the Patriots tra- trade up, it might be five quarterbacks in the first seven picks. But if you look at some of these franchises, I got to I got to think there'd be some agents who'd tell their players, relax, man, you just went to the Patriots. <laughs> this isn't all bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, but how do I know how long uh, Mr. Belichick is going to continue? If you have success in your first three or four years and they pick up the option like they did for Lamar Jackson for $22 million, that's a win. If you get a second contract, that's a win. Uh, to your point, he's now late 60s, so if you have a glorious 15-year NFL career, he's probably not going to be there for the whole thing. It's not likely, right? He's not coaching into his 80s. So there's that. But you want to get off on the right foot. You know, we just see guys go to the wrong team, and it's just never right. Uh, yeah, but what is the wrong foot? I mean, Troy Aikman was uh, awful. Wasn't Peyton Manning? Weren't they like 1-15, or was that Troy? Troy was 1-15. So, uh, I mean, you know, Manning wasn't good. Elway got off to a bad start. I mean, you can definitely get off to a bad yeah. start and be a Hall of Famer. But I think in all, in all those cases, you look at them and think there was like a core structure there that was on the right track. And that doesn't mean okay. you came out swinging and you crushed it right from the get-go. Um, so how do we know that the Jets aren't on that? We don't. We don't. I Everybody's mean, got new. The got, GM's exactly. new, but their coach is new. Yep. yep. It's a rookie coach, rookie uh, coordinator. The thing that worries me a little bit is the coach picked up LaFleur, brought him with the Niners, and LaFleur is the brother of the Green Bay coach who, how do you say the, the new Jets coach? Robert Sala. Uh, Sala, yeah. It's the thing that concerns me a little bit. So he, cho- he chooses LaFleur's brother to be his coordinator. Well, he was the best man at LaFleur's wedding, the Green Bay coach. So is there a little bit of nepotism going on there? Nepotism and friendship. Is that uh, trumping elite? mm. Yeah, but but friendship relationship, and is that trumping elite football coach? Well, and the thing also on this, this is an extension. You remember Sean McVay, of course, the Los Angeles Rams coach. Everybody who's been connected to that guy recently has been a hotshot prospect. Both of the LaFleur brothers worked for him, and as such, one's a head coach, one's now an offensive coordinator. Yeah, but some guys have great coaching trees, and those guys have success. Yeah, so yeah I mean, I'm, I don't know. Right. I don't yeah. know. No, I get I your point. I have no idea. The other thing we talked about today that might be new news for some of you listeners here at the end of the show, uh, the Athletic is just all over the college football playoff, and they uh, not citing sources but saying that the, the one that's in the lead is the 12-team format, four buys, uh, eight opening round games on campus. Not clear if the quarterfinals would be on campus. I expect they would be. Maybe they'd put all the quarterfinals on New Year's Day and move the season back a week. Well, that's, be good. That, that's good news because uh, in Tempe, it's good weather in December. Sweet. <laughs> see what I've done there? I do. I see. I see. Absolutely. So 12 teams, and uh, that gets uh, five automatic bursts, and you could have uh, a bunch of at-large teams. So the SEC and the Big Ten could be looking at getting three teams in. Uh, but they, they're very concerned about making sure that uh, – there's something at stake in the regular season. They feel that, I think the 12-team format's getting pumped up because four teams will be fighting for you know 
teams will be fighting for those four buys. Teams will be fighting for those four home games. And then teams will be fighting to get those last four berths and get in. And so there'll be something at stake for, for everybody. And the bowl games will take a hit, but the bowl games have been slipping in importance with every passing year, and guys have been opting out of them. So I think that's pushing it. And I think there's also teams inside the power conferences who are saying, how are we ever going to get past all of these teams? Uh, Ohio State's a good recent – or Iowa State. Iowa State's a good recent example of – like they beat Oklahoma, they had the best regular season record, and then they had to turn around and play Oklahoma again. And if you split with Oklahoma, the tie goes to the Sooners. So there's a lot of different groups pushing for an expanded playoff. And maybe well, – I think we'll get to eight. I don't think it's six. I think we'll get to eight. I don't know that we'd go beyond it. That seems a little surprising to me, but a lot of reporting indicates that's what they're thinking now. Five years out, time to change their mind. Yeah, eight, eight seems good enough for me. All right. We've also been talking a lot of jazz this morning. We got a lot of feedback from jazz fans. Large amount of negativity heading into the game with the Kings. We will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I can't believe today was a good day. Good morning, DJ and PK. I'd like to report on the Jazz game tonight before it starts. They're going to lose by 12, and the Jazz will only get 102 points. It's going to be ugly. When the playoff teams come out with energy, ratcheting up their efforts, playing solid defense, the Jazz won't stand a chance because all they want to do is launch the three. Well, PK, it may not help the Pac-12, but maybe the Pac-12 should help themselves by fielding good teams and quitting all the shenanigans and hire a commissioner that knows what the heck he's doing and the TV stuff will fall in line. There's the open mic from today. Grab your phone, use our app, use the 1280 The Zone app, use the open mic, and send us your takes. A fair amount of negativity surrounding the Jazz right now, PK. Eric tweets at us, feels like the Jazz are limping to the playoffs. We're not even, I don't want to say we're, I take that back. I was going to say we're not close to it, but obviously we are. But let's get Mitchell back and make an, an assessment. Not that uh, he's going to save you from everything, but at least the, the, the stuff that they built was largely with Mitchell playing. He can I mean, he missed two or three games this year until now. Uh, so let's see what they got now. I mean, two losses, and we're and, and, I, and, and I guess it's more than that, as you say. Yeah, it's 6-6 six and six in the last 12, but he was yeah. there for some of those 12. You got me. Uh, before that, though, there was also a nine-game win streak, and the law of numbers... Come on. If you're going to win 70% of your games, you go on a nine-game win streak, there's a few L's out there for you. It's going to happen. You you try to make sure it doesn't, but it's going to happen. And I think that if you take the best player off a lot of teams, they would all hit a a rough patch. I mean, we've seen it with the Lakers and the Clippers. We've seen it. uh, I guess the, the surprising thing is we haven't seen it so much with the Nets. But it's the East. It's a different schedule. And they got three guys who can play at a really high level. So that's a little different beast over there. For the Jazz, could he have made a difference in these one and two possession games? Well, obviously, yeah. he could have. Um, they have other bad losses. They've lost to Minnesota earlier in the year, so he might not have. You know, there's no guarantees. But you think he would have would have helped at some point. I think he would have, but at the same time, they still should have at least split yep. these last two games. Yep. So now the, the guys who are available, 
should have some serious resolve tonight. Because you don't win tonight, then you're looking at a four-game losing streak because you got to go to Phoenix. Scorp Daddio says, I don't know if they're going to win tonight. It depends on if Jekyll shows up to play or if Hyde does. The Jazz have not been running on all cylinders for a month. They've been lucky. It's not a full-fledged dumpster fire yet. They need to decide if they're a good team and want to win, then act like it. Or not. <laughs> Ow. I got a little harsh at the end. (laughs) The thing I think that you've got to look at in these last two losses is they've defended pretty well. We don't, I mean, I know they butchered the play, the screen at the end, and Gobert made the mistake, right? But on the whole, it bugs me more, and I question their effort more when they're giving up 120, 125, 130 points a game. They're not dialed in. They're better than that. So if you don't have your leading score and a guy who creates a lot of shots for other people, and you lose a low-scoring game by a possession or two, it seems to me he can come back and fix those problems. Now, if you're not defending, then I'll question your want to win and how hard you're working and all of that. But if you're down and giving up 100, 105 points a game, you want to win, you're acting like it, you're defending at a pretty good level. Well, that's what Quinn said, but at the same time, my gosh, you're playing Minnesota, so you better not be giving up 130 points. They're a crappy team. We can talk bad matchups and this and that. But when did the number one seed say the team with the 14th record in the conference or whatever they are was a bad matchup? I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Pull that out. That that is something. I'm I'm not going to accept that. Through that out, yeah. I'm not going to accept that. I will accept it to a degree that you didn't have Mitchell, but still. That the Minnesota bad matchup? You shouldn't have gotten swept. Even without Mitchell, you shouldn't have gotten swept. Exactly. Yeezy says, with the Lakers and Nuggets sitting where they are, I believe the Jazz don't want the number one seed anymore. Lakers and Nuggets? Look like they're going to be the four and five. Okay, but you're just trading it in to get the sons of the Clippers. So I don't see where there's this big advantage. I agree with you. You you can't backdoor the second round in the West this year. You can backdoor the second round in the East – if you get the one seed in the East and you get four, there's a big drop-off from three to four. I don't want to backdoor anything. I've never backdoored a thing in my life. Well, I guess the argument being be in the East, you just earned it. There's three good teams, and you earned the easier opponent. You earned sure. it. Sure, I understand that. That's an excellent point. Uh, but you're right. I, and I suppose the late – that's what I was thinking about. The Clippers have the best team, I think, especially if I'm comparing them. They have the better team than the Lakers – but the Lakers' top-end talent is better than anybody else's top-end talent in the West. And the problem is there have been so many guys sitting out, and maybe they're sitting – maybe maybe Kawhi's sitting out because he's really hurt. Maybe he's sitting out because he's hurt a little, and sitting out seems to be what he does in the regular season. And we're five weeks away, and who knows who's going to be healthy when you get there. So how do you know what's the easiest matchup? The team that has the most injuries will be the easiest matchup. You can't possibly know that right now. I I think I'd rather have, if the Nuggets should pull the upset, I'd rather have them. Since you know that they're going to have injuries. Jamal Murray's not getting healthy. He sent out that photo of his leg yesterday. Like, yeah, he's not playing on that right away. Well, he's walking through that door. It's just that he's limping. Yeah, right. He will will walk through that. He will not run. He will not jump. He will not cut. (laughs) <laughs> no, no. And we'll he will see just and, hobble along. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. I don't take any glee in that, obviously. Uh, but uh, I, And I don't think the Nuggets would beat the Lakers. But suppose you, you did that, and then you got the number one seed, and then you got lucky. 
like the, the what, what was the year the Jazz went to the finals that uh, who the Warriors they upset Dallas was that what it was? And Dallas Correct. was the one yep. seed. It was an eight one upset. Yep. Yeah. So oh, when they went to the sudden, conference finals in the, when they yeah, the conference, conference finals. Yeah, they went to the conference yeah. finals with uh, Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer. Yeah. yeah. I meant conference. Uh, yeah, they were yeah. the they won the four or five series over the Rockets, and then the Warriors were the eight and shocked the top seeded Mavericks. Yeah, so you, you just don't know. Which and would it's, be the it's worst, not worth worrying about. It would be the worst case scenario if the Jazz were the one and then they did lose to the eight. I mean, that would oh, be that, that would be shut hor- your mouth. That'd be horrific. But that Maverick team came back a couple years later to win the NBA title. So sometimes you need those scars along the way. Who's to say? Ah. Who's to say that that isn't what helped launch them to the title? And they were down 2-0 in the finals to LeBron, and they came back and won. Amazing. You never know. You don't. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Coming up next, Hans and Scotty, stay with us.